Namaskar. Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. This is episode 340 of Daily Global Insights. It's a special edition because Sridharji, my co-host, has spent hours looking at what is happening in the United States economy, the findings or the determinations of the speech of the Fed chair at Jackson Hole that concluded on Friday and what it means for the world because you know that uh, no matter how low the inflation in, the, in India is, the rupee is still sliding against the dollar. So this particular video is for all of you and, and this doesn't matter which country you live in, you want to understand how the US economy is going and it's going forward. What course corrections are they planning? Because there is a hint of that too. And you can also see some of the factors that Sridharji will reveal, which will help you understand how your own economy is going to progress. Relative interest rates, for example, between lending rates, for example, between India and US, uh, are they in sync? If they are not in sync, what is the problem? If they are in sync. What happens? What will be the problem? All these things are going to be decided. It's, it's a little bit of a detailed talk, but it will enrich you in the process. Here we go. Let's welcome Sridharji. Sridharji, Namaskar and welcome to P Guru's channel. Namaskar. Good morning to everybody and uh, happy to be here on uh, to discuss this very important topic, which we have been uh, uh, referring to you about in terms of the how the overall economy and the U.S. balance sheet is managed. And uh, of course, uh, most important event just concluded, uh, the Fed event uh, at uh, Jackson Hole. And the uh, the godfather has spoken and the markets reverberated to his statement. So this is something yes. to uh, Jerome Powell. Yes, indeed. And uh, viewers, so we're going to start our presentation now. Tighten your seat belts, fasten your seat belts, and here we go. Sridharji, take it away, sir. Yeah, next slide. Uh, so we'll start with, uh, is the economy bursting at the seams? Uh, and what are the Fed policies? So let's just kind of roll the clock back to two years. In 2020, coming into this summit, uh, Jerome Powell made a statement, which is to say that he has now got an inflationary targeting framework, which is namely if the interest rates go about 2%, uh, that's an inflation goes about 2%, then they will take a close look at other macroeconomic factors and begin to uh, apply the monetary principles. That was his 2020 statement. Then he came into 2021, that is uh, during right in the middle of the COVID, and he indicated that uh, the price pressures, which is namely inflation, uh, was only transitory, and the Fed's focus is going to be more around employment. At that point of time, unemployment was 9%. And the approach was to basically aim for maximum employment and a much more uh, accommodative interest rate policy. Lo and behold, we are here, whether we blame Fed or whether we blame their policy, you know, time will tell. So we move into 2022, 2022 event. And what did he say? Well, softening of labor market conditions, higher interest rates, slower growth, and softer market conditions will bring down inflation. So in other words, we have to kind of, you know, give it a punch and uh, we have to contain inflation because the inflation is at an all time high and we have to rein and we will use with force all the monetary tools that is available to rein in the inflation. You know, it's a flip from 2021. 
So then he didn't stop. He said it will bring pain to households and businesses, but these are the costs of reducing inflation. So that was a very brave and telling statement, giving a signal to the market. And he went on to say the interest rates could remain high for a sustained period of time until the inflation is tamed. So what does the market do? The market says, aha, I don't agree with this. And it drops 1,000 points. The Dow drops 1,000 points. And the, it reverberated right across the ecosystem. And what did Uncle Joe say and has been saying? Well, we have no inflation. All these problems, we have to blame Putin because he is conducting a war in Ukraine. I hope we will see Mr. Biden, the president of the United States and his entourage saying, well, we have a problem in the United States. Let's hope so. So the Dow dropped 3%, which is 1,000 points. You can see the drop consistent between 3 and 4%, and NASDAQ took a big hit, almost close to 4 percentage points. And uh, this will be reverberating across the other markets as the markets open on Monday. How did the currency markets behave? The currency markets behaved, in other words, the dollar strengthened against euro, pound, and obviously the euro, um, uh, the pound strengthened as well. The, why did, uh, why did uh, you know, the US dollar strengthen? Because the other economies are not in a great state, and hence those currencies got impacted it'll be interesting to see whether the indian rupee also gets impacted as a result of this movement in interest rate at the end of the day the world is tied to the us dollar and the us interest rates the oil markets um again touched brent touched stayed at the hundred dollars and the uh, the crude went up by a very small percentage and the natural gas dropped obviously if the inflation and the economy is in is likely to be impacted, then you will see these prices coming down because the demand comes down. The US bond markets, I mean, United States, the 10 year yield is greater than 3%, the yields dropped. Uh, and then of course that uh, reverberated against uh, the bond as well as the, the Japanese yen. So the markets immediately responded to Fed statement. It was a brief statement and saying, well, the rates are going to be high and if macro labor economic conditions improve, the economy could go. And in fact, they're prepared to sacrifice growth to tame inflation. So which means you can expect lower growth for the rest of the year. And technically, we already said that, you know, US probably is in decision. So what, how is the market going to react in the near term? We are going to see volatility in the markets. And there is a 60% poll taken, 60% 60 of the poll, pollsters believe that the September hike would be 75 basis points, not 50. And as the chairman himself said, this rate is going to stay very high. And what did the hedge funds do? That's an indication they moved from value stocks into the growth, which is a lot of money moved into the tech stocks and the consumer discretionary stocks. That's where the economic activity and concentration will be. And as the markets come out of this dump, whenever it is, I think it will probably again tech stocks which will lead the way. Actually, attention will now focus on fiscal response because if people are going to suffer as a result, so what is left? Not monetary, but fiscal. And our friend has already started to talk about it. Over to you, Shriji. 
Um, Sridharji, quick question. So all this is the monetary policy that the Fed chair is putting up. Now, always, you know, there is a tango that happens. Fiscal policy will, you know, be done in such a way that it will complement the monetary policy. Now, how much room does President Biden have to work with? Because already the corporate taxes are at 20%. Right? And they want to bring it down to 15. I don't know if that was on the anvil. That's the only thing he has, the only lever he has, as I see it, unless he wants to give some like a, a tax holiday for the all, for all the US-based companies for one year. What are your thoughts, sir? Where do you think he can, what can he do in fiscal stimulus for this? And then we'll resume the uh, presentation. Right. Okay. So I think I'll give you a quick answer, which is namely that we, we, we try to answer this question in the ensuing. How will the how will Biden administration respond? The democratic policy is very simple: give, borrow more, borrow more till there is no tomorrow. So therefore, they're not going to cut cut interest rates. They are going to borrow more and give it to form of uh, you know business relief, consumer relief, you know low income relief. So you're going to see if the economy goes the opposite way, the impaired communities more dole is going to come out that means we are going to borrow more money and we're going to take the deficit up and the debt up that would be the response of the democrats which is now in power what would the republicans do republicans will cut taxes and allow the businesses to uh, put the money and they will give subsidies to uh, the businesses which is uh, you know keeping employment which is giving not cutting people etc etc as they did through the ppp program during the covid crisis that is why we had a very quick recovery within six months um, notwithstanding the big stimulus that went in but in support of the business so two different approaches sriji thank you very much sir and let's get back to our presentation and uh, next slide please go ahead sir so therefore now uh, sriji asked the question so we can see here do budgets offer a clue? Of course they do. You take a look at the, typically when you take a look at the uh, deficits, deficit is the net difference between receipts and expenses or your spending versus the income generated. You will see that uh, historically it is considered, you know, two to 4% of the GDP uh, as a deficit is considered, yeah, annual deficit is considered a decent number. India used to get dung, if you remember, it used to have, between six, eight, even eight percent, I think, at some stages it has had. But uh, many economies got, uh, you know, educated. But when you look at the U.S. economy, then you will see that now they have uh, U.S. is uh, is already close somewhere between four and six percent in terms of the average. I'm talking about average. In 2020, we took, uh, you know, we our deficit was pretty close to about uh, 12 percent uh, of the GDP, and then again close to 10 percent in uh, 2021 which we will cover. But the most important number that you need to look at is the 2020, 2040 and 2050, when you will see the average deficit is going to be between 8.5% and 12% or 11.1%. And the debt to GDP is going to be 140 to 185%. So very clearly, United States is on a borrowing binge to fund the balance sheet. Uh, stunning, stunning, Sridharji. And uh, let's move on. I have a few questions, but I think yeah, I, yeah. to, so, no, I think this flow. is a, yeah. Thank yeah. you, Shanky Sridharji. This particular chart 
is very important within the context. So they have done sensitivity model. So right now, when you see there's a blue, deep, a thick blue line, which shows 185%, based on the latest, all the stimuluses that went in, the July 2022 numbers projects, based on the interest rates, the debt to GDP at 185%. They then model this on a high interest rate, sustained interest rate scenario. If that happens, you see a number called 235%. So we could be toggling 185 to 235% on the on the on the debt to GDP ratio, which means we are in deep, deep water in terms of the borrowings is concerned. That simply implies we're going to pay very high interest costs every year from the revenue that we come in. There's also moderate and uh, lower uh, and higher productivity scenarios, but I just don't see that uh, scenario evolving. I think we are at 185 to 225. Yes, Sriji. Um, Sriji, this is primarily for uh, United States residents and perhaps North America and the Western countries. With the interest rate so high, the house prices are going to take a drop. People just can't afford because you know they, they, they can't afford the interest uh, payments if the, the borrowing rate is going to be set so high. And, and in, in reverse, what happens is those who are desperate to sell will start pricing their uh, houses to sell. Enough, enough. In other words, you know, the prices are headed south. Prices are already heading south in uh, United States. Gee, the demand is falling. Uh, the prices are heading, heading south and it will shift to concentrated markets as we saw in COVID. Prices fall in certain markets, prices will rise in certain markets. Those states which manage their state economies better in this adverse situation, you will see their economies perform and then you will see all these dole out economies going under uh, and uh, the house prices kind of dropping quite dramatically because they're reliant on dole. They don't need to work. Then they're reliant on the government. There is a line item which uh, you have to see in the balance sheet is called as the income security expenses there's nothing but you give it to child protection child care unemployment elements unemployment insurance small business protection insurance elderly uh, supplementary nutrition assistance program so these are all the dole outs uh, that you hand out to people so those who are in that uh, and many states probably support that those who are you know deep blue they believe in you know social welfare so therefore uh, those states and those houses in those markets are going to take a big hit Shriji. And what he has not said is the actual names. I'm going to be bold and take those names. New York, Illinois, uh, California, and perhaps some other states like Oregon and, and uh, Washington, perhaps. These are all people who are, uh, you know, believing that there is no tomorrow and they've been uh, not very careful with their state budget. So uh, thank you, Sridharji. And let's get back to our presentation. You asked the question, how is Biden administration? One of the things that they do very well is they forget arithmetic. They say, I just don't know the numbers, but we're just going to roll things out. Okay, so that's what typically uh, you hear. For example, they were asked the question, hey, you have now done the uh, the launch, the um, the student loan program. Do you know what the estimate to the, uh, what it will do to the, uh, the overall uh, deficit and debt to the balance sheet? Well, we haven't calculated the numbers, but we'll let you know what it is. Lo and behold, somebody else has, and we'll reveal those numbers. So next slide, Sriji. Okay, what is this? Uh, first, we want to give you what we call as the IRA. You remember that we projected these numbers, which is called as the yes. 
Inflation Reduction Act of 2023-2042. Okay. They calculated energy and climate, you know, $750 billion, the ACA subsidies, the tax increase, the loophole closures, prescription drug programs, and drug rebate rules. And they estimated the savings over, over 20 years. They estimated the savings resulting from that roughly around 300 or 400 uh, billion per year, uh, plus or minus some additional numbers. They said they will reduce the debt by $1.5 trillion, okay, in their estimation. We had touched on this uh, before, uh, and we said we will present the chart. And by the way, this is not my data. This is not something that we in uh, at PGurus calculated. This is directly from the Congressional Budget Office source, okay? So therefore, don't blame us to say that, you know, we are, we are pointing these numbers. Then they came up with a revised estimate, and they believe that, no, 1.5 trillion is not correct. It's 1 trillion. So we have already added another $500 billion to debt just like that, even before the appropriations and the other things have come in. So expect by the time this thing happens, the next 20 years, we will maybe have $1 trillion or $1.5 trillion on one specific response, which they call it as Inflation Reduction Act. Um, <laughs> this comment is taking people for a ride just because people are too busy watching other things that they don't think they can do the math. But uh, I think even one trillion reduction over what, 20 years, you said? Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, that's a very we're going to add, we're going to add to the debt. We're going to add to the debt. We're going to add to the debt. Already the Burgoyning debt. So we're going to add to the debt. Okay. Yes, so yes. I think uh, it's unfortunate. So now we come to the student loan, which is. By the way, the uh, White House press secretary and Biden uh, himself and White House press secretary gave a statement to the media. Well, well we don't know what the numbers are. We'll soon tell you. Well, the uh, Center for Responsible Budget as well as the Congressional Budget Office has calculated. What has it calculated? It adds $500 billion to debt, plus there will be inflation. This is basically dissected into two points. One is the $10,000 $10, to $20,000 waiver, or you know, all the loan that is getting paid off and that has got an income kind of a threshold. And uh, that will add $360 billion to the debt. Then there is uh, the, what they call as the income threshold. You know, they increased it from 150% to 225% which is the threshold level to pay interest as well as sometimes even the loan is written on. And that is $120 billion based on the estimates. So the Inflation Reduction Act has added close to $500 billion already. And then you have the student loan waiver has added $500 billion. Without even deeper estimation, we have added $1 trillion as a fiscal response even before Mr. Uh, Dr. Jerome Powell came to the to the Jackson Hole summit uh, to the party, right? So therefore, we do, we do. So we then look at what does it do to the curve? Well, there's an interesting curve where we would say, which is to say, well, we are at 1.6 trillion before this waiver, and we will reduce it to about 1 1.1 trillion as a result of this 500 billion write-off. Lo and behold, in less than 10 years, we are back to where we started. You see the red curve, which shows to you that we are back at 1.6. And if we had gone in the current, the projections would have been the same. 
except that the gradient is lower. We start from the low and we go up. Other That is why it's like two parallel lines. They may not meet, but they're going to have at the same vertex in 10 years' time. So in, in effect, it may be temporary, but it is not giving any relief to the overall U.S. taxpayers. We covered this before. Uh, this just gives you, there is an indication 2020, 2021, and 2022 offers clues in terms of how the deficit is going to progressively increase. And we said that he is going to continue to borrow, that Biden is going to continue to borrow because first he will say, I don't know the numbers. Then somebody else will add the numbers. By the time the numbers are added, his term is complete. And if he gets next term, they'll do the same and this trend will continue. So now let's uh, look at the next slide. Okay, this is a very important slide. If you take a look at the numbers, in 2020, average we have had deficits. This is the difference between receipts and spending. We probably are between 680 to 600 or even $400 billion we have seen, $485 billion we have seen um, under the Obama administration that is balancing the, at least trying to balance the budget between expenditure and uh, revenue. Uh, and we then moved to 2020. That was the year in which we had COVID. Our deficit went to 3 trillion because we put a massive, massive 10% uh, stimulus into the economy. Biden said, I need to do more programs to sustain in 2021. And in 2021, we hit 2.7 trillion. And in 2022, we continue with these programs. It is expected to be about $1.4 trillion will be 2022. It will normalize, but we are getting addicted to running big, big deficits. And I'll show you in one of the charts that we could be hitting close to $3 trillion. That is the difference between receipt and expenses could be two to three trillion dollars in the near term as a normal course of business so this is unfortunately the way they are modeling it and treating it and they accept this to be uh, the norm whether the republicans will get a sustained power what they would be we don't know but this is based on the current projected models well i think amidst all this gloom there's always a ray of light and hope and what's the ray of light and hope? No country in the world in the near term has the capacity to counter the U.S. And that's just the fact of life. And it's that is the only strength. Why? Because you take a look at this particular chart. This is about protecting, projecting the interest cost. You remember I mentioned to you that uh, the cost we have to pay every year, the money that we borrow, we pay interest. Historically, we have averaged around 400 billion Thanks to uh, President uh, Trump and uh, the the administration, we even brought it down to close to $200 billion, the interest cost. That means it gave more money to put back into the economy for, uh, uh, this is Steve Mnuchin as the treasurer, uh, you know, the interest cost being around 1.1% on an average on the GDP. And typically it is around between 22 to 3%, uh, the average cost of the GDP is the debt. That's the number that you see in, uh, you know, the 200 to 400. Now you took it, look at the model, 2022 to 2032. This is again Congressional Budget Office. Now the old one shows uh, still deficits running around 800 billion. But these new Chachka programs that came in, what is it going to do? They remodeled it. The remodeling is going to show that 
in 10 years, our interest cost is going to be 8.1 trillion. In other words, we are adding $800 billion additional cost between 2023 to 2032 in the interest based on the borrowing that we are doing annually. I mean, in many countries that, you know, 10 years, you add 8 trillion, you sink, but not United States. United States shows that it has the ability to manage it. And we will, when we show the one more slide, you can see why it is, because the reason is that it has the balance sheet. This chart I have seen, and this is the, these numbers tally between 185 to 225. So this is a very important chart. What is the thing that is going for United States? The market cap, that is the companies which are trading in United Exchange, publicly trading in United States exchanges, it is the largest in the world any day between 45 trillion dollars to 50 trillion dollars making up almost close to greater than 50 percent of the global market cap in other words many public companies that generate revenues employ people is what creates and contributes towards the gdp market cap to gdp ratio is an important number and at, at the end of 2021 the market cap to GDP ratio was at 202%. So that just reflects a very positive um, correlation and in terms of the GDP and the performance of the companies, whether it is whether they're trading in NYSE or whether they're trading in NASDAQ or whether they're trading on S&P. So as a balance sheet, it has the capacity to absorb the hits, either with a Democratic or a Republican model. I think she asked me the question and we answered, which is to say, if it's a Republican, it is going to be less government and more industry. If it is going to be democratic, less industry and more government and government employing people and government doling out money to people. That seems to be the uh, the general you know, high level trend without being overtly critical. Yeah. No, this is just the summary balance sheet of the 2020 to 2030 projected not updated as yet it is being updated when it is get updated it clearly shows you the revenues the outlays the deficit the gdp and the debt calculations and how the balance sheet has been finely fine-tuned and it's an accrual so every time there is an addition they readjust the balance sheet to give you the numbers this is what gives the strength to the United States, notwithstanding from outside, people may say, hey, this looks like, uh, you know, going down the tubes. Of course, Mr. Vladimir Putin can say what he wants. He's nowhere in the picture here relative to what the size of the U.S. is. And Mr. Xi Jinping can say he has a long way to go. Yes, you know, U.S. market cap is four times or four and a half times that of China. And fortunately, in the United States, we are lucky. The government doesn't punitively punish the people who are, as he did for his publicly traded companies, and he faced the consequences. So therefore, even, you know, even China is introducing stimulus to get out. So this is what gives the strength to the US. It's private enterprise. It's well market capitalized companies, notwithstanding the cyclical and idiosyncratic economic management of the government. Thank you very much, Sridharji. And the takeaways here for many countries is you need to understand why U.S. continues to dominate 
the world markets and and the world economy and and just try and see how best you can fit that into your system i can understand that india has a challenge that there are the moment you raise interest rates everybody will start screaming except the retirees and the retirees are mute poor guys they will take whatever you give them so there is this this problem that modi ji has that he needs to stay in lockstep with the united states as there is a rise there and and i find i find some strange things with the indian reserve bank of india sridhar ji you can agree with me or not they have increments of 40 basis points everybody does 25 50 75 and 100 and they'll do 40 sometimes 30 i don't understand just because there's a number that you put it i have no idea nobody explains why their numbers are not in sync with others and and therefore see there is much obfuscation that need not be there nobody is winning or losing but a clarity will help businesses plan a little bit better this is my hope sir and and uh, feel free to you know see what you can give two cents to india indian economic planners as to how they can this is we have painted the next 10 15 years you 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 and i will be gone by that time but but the countries will still be there in some shape or form so take it away sir your conclusion on this Well, I think my conclusion is, is uh, you know, I think without the uh, aggregate data which the central bank is, uh, U.S. central bank, as the Indian central bank is looking at, uh, so they have their own mechanism to to price uh, the uh, the market. Um, it is quite unusual, but they can only answer the question uh, whether uh, you know what that means, uh, how the uh, macroeconomic indicators like uh, inflation and other factors. they have to look at the aggregate demand for credit and how they want to price the credit will it uh, consequentially affect on employment and the overall uh, you know price theory into the into the market so we don't know how uh, they, i'm sure that they have uh, they also have to if there is a more borrowing uh, or any denominated borrowing either from us dollar or euro they have to factor that as well in the industry borrows as well from the overseas markets uh so they look at all those variables um uh, if you're a direct linear uh, you know without having a significant uh, um cross currency fluctuation maybe you know they will do something different so i mean not knowing all the data points is difficult for me to comment you know why they choose uh, an asymmetric model as you outlined but having said that um i think india has come a long way it is now uh you know fifth or sixth largest economy depending on the currency uh it has also moved well in the data indicator that i pointed out market cap i think it's now uh, moved to the fifth or sixth position in the market cap relative so therefore it is also in that uh, uh, market cap to gdp uh, almost equal to 100% or greater than 100% so these things indicate to you that india as a economic uh, power is meeting the financial metrics uh, that we used to measure uh the economic parameters so i think it's moving along uh, similar to china is uh, in a very similar um, kind of you know 12 trillion dollars but you see their market uh, their uh, market cap to gdp is uh, you know less than 100% uh, relative to compared to india uh, so i think the i mean that just tells you that united states and india are far more open uh and uh, open markets and public markets as opposed to more government intervention but as you say interest rates i can't answer but the metrics that india india is uh, is following 
uh, or the metrics that we are tracking seem to indicate India is also moving along in a right path rather than the old socialistic model. Thank you very much, Sridharji. Viewers, I hope you like this uh, program because based on your comments, we are going to continue doing this. It takes hours to put together this data. You can see Sridharji has you know, scoured deeply a lot of websites and these are not political websites. These are data supplied by government. And, and there are times where he has applied some models to do some projections. But overall, it has been a very, very strong attempt to try and portray the reality as it exists to exist today. Sridharji, thank you once again, sir. And viewers, please like, share and subscribe to our program. And do not forget to click on the bell button for notification. Namaskar, sir. Thank you very much. Namaskar. Thank you. Have a wonderful day and uh, take care and have a wonderful week as well. Thank you.